What's up? You are now listening to the Next Level Confident Podcast with Janelle and A. If you are ready to challenge your previous ways of thinking and take action on the bold, purpose-driven life you were created for, you'll want to keep listening. On the show, we will vulnerably discuss finding your purpose in life, strengthening your mindset, building quality relationships, and prioritizing your health. I hope you're as excited as I am. Let's do this. Hey, you guys, today's guest is a soulful life coach and career coach, and she's the creator of The Soul Career. She's passionate about helping individuals get clear on their purpose, gaining self-confidence, and finally having a career they love. Let's give a warm welcome to the show, Devin Jones. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Janelle. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. I'm, I'm pumped to have you on. Um, you guys, anyone listening, if you want to connect with Devin and look her up while you're listening right now, she's on Instagram at underscore Devin, D-E-V-I-N, Jones. I think the only way there is to spell Jones. <laughs> um, or you can go to her website, which is Devin, D-E-V-I-N, Jones dot C-O not .com people, .co. So don't put the .com, you'll get to some random website that's not Devin's. <laughs> Thank cool. you for clarifying and yeah. for spelling my name because there's so many ways that you can spell that name. So thank you for exactly. making that yeah. clear. I don't want people to get confused. I want them to find you. You're amazing and you're such an inspirational coach. And um, how did we officially get connected in the beginning? I'm trying to remember. Gary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, <laughs> Gary Ware. Yes. So I know Gary Ware and I'll have to send him over this podcast so we can give him a little shout out. Gary Ware is a speaker in San Diego and I think nationwide. Um, he's done TED Talks and he spoke at Creative Mornings in San Diego when I was there. And for those of you listening who don't know, there's a Creative Mornings in pretty much every city. So it's for young creative people who are looking to meet other young uh, creative people in their, I don't know, I don't think there's an age group, but like 20s and 30s. And once a month they get together and there's a speaker who speaks on a topic. So the topic is the same all across, all across the nation. Um, so Gary spoke on the art of play, which was cool. So yeah. And he actually is one of the guest mentors in my career coaching, in my career coaching course. So oh. it's funny that, yeah, yeah. So Gary, is, he has a, a lot to teach us about the art of play and how that helps us to live fuller, richer lives and, and really tap into our purpose. That is so cool. Yeah. So what, tell us a little bit about your course that's online. Sure. So I developed something called the Soul Career. It's the first ever group career coaching course. That's a lot of alliteration, career coaching course. <laughs> um, and it really came out of my own passion for helping women understand their purpose and break through some of the really practical parts of creating a career you love because I know sometimes we have a big vision or an idea of what we want to be or create in the world, but 
you also need the practical pieces of how to build a network, how to write your resume, how to do a cover letter. And sometimes that less glamorous stuff gets thrown to the wayside. But I see that as really important because that is what opens doors and gets you opportunities to talk to the right people and work in the jobs that you love or create the career you love. So the soul career came after working with you know dozens of clients and hundreds of students when I was working at a university. And I put together all of the resources in terms of like connecting deeply with your soul to know your purpose, plus understanding your career and creating a toolbox and putting those two together so that you can go from a job that is not fulfilling or even sometimes a job you hate into a job that suits your values, your skill set, your strengths, really helps your soul come alive and gets and allows you to express your purpose in the world. So it's a, it's a group coaching course because I also think it's really powerful to do things in community. A lot of women, it's a, a, it's a course for women exclusively. Um, we're going through similar things with our careers, the quarter life crisis or whatever, whatever you want to call it. We're all you know, kind of struggling with some of the same challenges. And so when we come together as a community and can help build that, that encouragement, that accountability, and also just the understanding that we're not alone in this process. Yeah, it's so powerful to be with other people who are at similar stages of life or, um, I mean, it's, it's great to have a couple people who are a couple stages ahead of you, a couple people who are a couple behind. So that way you're constantly helping pull others up. And then also you have other people to help pull you up. And that way we get to um, build community around supporting each other in finding our dream career and living within our purpose and and feeling like we're using our gifts that we were given by God to, to be able to thrive in this world. Exactly. So cool. So Devin, what is your why behind helping people find the career they love? I mean, I feel like surely there's some sort of personal backstory to all of this. Definitely. So it starts actually when I was in college and I took a class called Designing Your Life at Stanford. And it was one of the most popular classes at the university. And I had an incredible mentor whose name is Dave Evans. They've since written a book that you can buy anywhere books are sold called Design Your Life. And um, in this class, it helped me to understand that life and career are not as serious as we all think they are. Um, it was all about using design thinking principles of you know, prototyping and exploration and experimentation and ideation and applying those designer principles to figuring out what you wanna do with your life. And it was really a huge like relief for me as a senior in college who felt like I was about to launch into the world and I had to figure out what my 40 year career was gonna look like. And that's kind of the message that we get from our society and from a lot of our parents. I remember when I chose my major as an international relations major in college, everyone was like, what are you gonna do with that? What are you gonna do with that? As if you know it had to be an exact formula for you study this thing and you go do it in the world for like 40, 50 years. And so when I took this class and I realized actually your career can be an experimentation and you're going to have, most of us will have five to seven careers. We'll do one thing for a few years and then pivot. And what's really cool with the world we live in today is that you don't have to do the same thing for 40 years. You can work for yourself for a time. You can work in a business. You can be a consultant. And so um, I had a conversation with my mentor in that class, the professor Dave, and he told me this quote that I use with all of my, all of my clients, which is, you have no parallel lives. And what he meant by that was I was coming to him with this, these like three different life paths I wanted to take. 
And I was so freaked out that if I chose the wrong one, like, you know, in the game shows when they're like, pick door number one, door number two, you know? (laughs) And I was like, Dave, like, what if I pick the wrong door? And that, you know, then I don't like what I'm doing and I end up in the wrong city and I don't meet like the person of my dreams and I don't get married to the right person. You know, I kind of had this like false belief that we, that life is trying to trick us and that we have to make the right choice today for the rest of our lives. Otherwise our life is just going to go down the toilet. And then that like the universe or God is holding behind some closed door, like the right answer for our life. Um, so when I realized that this is more of an experimentation, we can have fun with it and you really can't make any mistakes. Like everything is just a lesson. I got excited about experimenting with my own career and sorry to wrap this up. So I ended up going into marketing. I did that for a few years and that was really fun. And then when the company that I was working with sold, I like went back into experimenting again and I thought, okay, what's the next thing? And I, I found a friend who was a strengths coach, a Gallup certified strengths coach. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. Let me talk to him about that. And we ended up having, um, we were having a coffee date and I asked for 30 minutes of his time and it turned into a four hour strengths coaching session about oh me. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, know. I love yeah. strength finders. So cool. Incredible. What are your top five strengths? So I'm ideation, positivity, woo, activator, and intellection. What are yours? Nice. Um, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. I'm definitely, um, communications, my number one. And mm-hmm. it's funny cause I'm also positivity. I'm also nice. woo. I'm also activator. activator. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and yeah. I can't remember my fifth one and I don't know that that wasn't the exact correct order either, but, um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's pretty funny that we have so many similar gifts. That's, um, why do you, why do you like strength finders so much? Like what about it speaks to you? Well, when I first learned about it in that coaching conversation, um, it really clarified how I am the way that I am and why I was like really great at meeting new people, but sometimes struggled to go deeper in friendship. And I kind of would sometimes jump like this is the shadow side of the woo is like jump from new relationship to new relationship rather than going deeper. And how I also love starting projects, but wouldn't always finish the projects because my activator gets excited at the beginning. And when this guy who I knew from church, but like he was really just an acquaintance, he was telling me these things that were like my patterns and my behaviors, I was fascinated. And I thought, wow, I wish I had known this in college. So it's really helpful. And I even, I use it in my marriage. My husband knows StrengthsFinder really well too. And I know his top five strengths and we can play off of each other. And it's a great tool for, you know, self-awareness, understanding what are your strengths, like where are you going to really thrive, but then also what are our limitations and where we need to like pull in help or resources or lean on somebody else. Yeah. And I remember I, I did a Bible study at one point where we went through the strength finders and um, I remember learning about how within a couple, what can be hard is like something that is someone's strength can look like a weakness to someone else. So like, Oh yeah. For me as a woo and because you're a woo and for those listening, you're probably like, why do they keep using the word woo? Yeah, Um, you're right. (laughs) It means it's W O O and it means winning others over. So it means that one of your strengths or your gifts is to win others over. So when you, when a woo goes into a room, they're like immediately wanting to work the entire room. They want to meet everyone in the room. They want to network. They want to just quickly, just basically touch every human being in the room with talking or some sort of hello. Um, Whereas someone who doesn't have that gift, they might go to a party or they might go to an event and they maybe only want to talk to one person the whole time and have a really deep conversation and um, just only that one person. So if you're in a relationship, whether that be a friendship or, um, you know, dating or marriage, 
what can happen at times is if I'm a woo and I go to a party, but if the person I'm with is not a woo, I can think that they are like, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you standing there talking to one person? Like freaking people are missing out on you. Go talk to everyone. And then they can look at me and think, oh my gosh, Janelle, you're, you know, you're moving throughout the whole room. There's no way you're having real conversation with people. You're not getting deep. All you're doing is like moving quickly from person to person to person. So it can look like weaknesses in each other. When in reality, you have to realize it's a strength. And then especially with someone you're married to or in, in relationship with, so important to understand their strength and, and help support them in what they do best. You just pretty much described my relationship with my husband. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. Cause, yeah, because I'm a woo and he's a relator, which is they're seen as um, kind of opposite strengths. They're not actually opposites, but they're perceived differently. And relators are about having a small network of friends that they go really deep with. So he's definitely the one who finds his one person at the party and will talk to them for two hours. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so many other people here I want to talk to. But that's why this partnership is so, you know, for us, I love that he teaches me to kind of slow down and to linger and to be, you know, in conversation and in relationship with a little bit more depth and understanding. And I teach him to kind of branch out and go out of his shell and talk to strangers more. So it's that's good to amazing. be able to, yeah, and to reframe each other, realize like, what can I learn from this person's strengths? Because they're strengths, they're not weaknesses. And it's just different ways of operating in the world. Yeah. And, and I'm curious, like, I'm a huge Enneagram person as well. Do you, mm-hmm. do you like strength finders more? Do you like Enneagram more? Or do you like both of them equally? I like both of them. I feel like they showcase different things. Um, and yeah, like strengths finder, I, I feel is a little harder for a brand new person who's into personalities to really grasp. Like, even as we saw, like, it's hard to remember five strengths, whereas it's easier to remember a single number. So, um, I, yeah, I like them both. They just bring different things to the table. And sometimes my husband and I will go on like more of an Enneagram conversation. And sometimes we'll talk more about strengths and I don't use Enneagram as much in my personal coaching because it takes a longer time generally for someone to find their Enneagram number. Cause there, there are some tests out there, but they're not psychometric, meaning like they're not statistically valid and you don't have retesting, uh, reliability. So any of the strengths finder, you know, conversely is like really statistically valid and anybody can take it and they're going to get their top five strengths and it's going to be accurate. What if you take it and then you retake it like five or 10 years later, does it change or can it, or will it like pretty much stay the same? Cause it's intrinsically put inside of you. So it, you de- generally will have a few strengths that will stay the same. Like I have taken it three times and I have every single time I've gotten the strength of woo and activator. So if you were to retake it, like in a couple of years, Janelle, yours might look different now that you've recently gotten married because the strengths we use are going to move up and down. Like everybody has all 34 strengths. You just have ones that are stronger. So that's what we call your top five. But most strengths coaches, like they actually prefer to look at the top 10 because we say you live in your 10, you thrive in your five. And so if you were to retake it and find like two or three new strengths, like say responsibility or achiever or something came up instead, then it's probably because that was your number seven and you've, something has happened in your life that has required you to use that strength more. So it's coming up in the profile. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's super interesting. And yeah. and are you a certified strength finder coach or? Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Yeah. So after, yeah, after I met with that friend, I was like, I have to do this. And I had this vision I actually wrote in my, my journal. I was like, I really want to work with strengths and college students. So I went in early 2015, I got Gallup certified. I was the youngest person ever to get certified. I was 23 at the time. Wow. And then, yes. Thanks. Yeah. And then um, shortly thereafter, I started working at the university in town that's a strengths university. So every single freshman takes strengths finder and meets with a coach to talk about how their strengths play out in their academics, their major and their career. So Whoa, that's so cool. Okay. I didn't realize that. So when you were working at the university, um, did you implement that or was that something that was already happening there um, that students as a freshman, 18 year old would take that test? That was already happening. Yeah. So it was really a dream job. It was my, it was my wish that had come true. My prayer that had come true that I said, I want to use strengths with college students. And, um, we would do like an intro session with all of the students at new student orientation where every single student learned about their strengths and the strengths of their peers. And then we would work with students one-on-one. -on -one. And then they also used it in the dorms and the classrooms. It's really a strengths university where a lot of professors and faculty and staff talk about their strengths. We have them like at our, at our desks and on our doors for our offices and stuff. So it's wow. a cool place because you know, we're starting, they, they use the language of strengths to have understanding between people and to really like showcase what, you know, how God has uniquely designed each of us, which is really beautiful. That's so cool. So say a freshman was coming in to the university and they were like, okay, um, you know, they take the test, they have their top five strengths from this test. And then they're like, and I want to be an interior designer. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time where it was like, you're looking at what they want as their career and you're looking at their top five and you're like, those aren't going to align or can they always align? It's just about how you like look at it. That's a great question. So the strengths philosophy is that the best in the role can look like many things. So the best in the role can look like many things, which means that Janelle, you and I are both coaches. We do similar things. We help women increase their confidence, know their purpose, you know, love themselves, be stronger in who they are, right? but we have different strengths. We have a few that overlap, right? But you will be the best confidence coach you can possibly be when you completely live into your strengths. And I'll be the best soulful life and career coach when I live into my strengths. So it's not necessarily about having a magic formula that like these five strengths equal, you should be a teacher, you should be, you know, a marketing director. It's about having the self-awareness to know how you will use your unique five strengths to be really amazing in that job. Um, no matter what your strengths are. So someone can be like really, I'll use my husband, for example, my husband's in cybersecurity, but he has strengths of empathy, developer, harmony. Like he has strengths that you wouldn't necessarily think an engineer would use. You would expect more like analytical and all that, but he is excellent at what he does because he gets things done through people, through building relationships. So there's no formula that would say, oh, here are these things, you should go be a therapist. Like he probably could have been a great therapist too, but he's doing a great job in what he's doing because he knows his strengths and he lives into them. That's really cool. And, and yeah, I, I think that probably is very special because he isn't quite as analytical maybe as some engineers. So he actually has this um, benefit of human skills. Um, yeah. So he gets to use both of those and, and show up in an even more unique and individual way than, than maybe some other engineers in his field. Totally. Hi friends. I wanted to tell you about this new thing I just launched. It's called the Confidence Workshop. 
The Confidence Workshop is a women's only leadership training for the ladies of corporate America. And you guys, it's honestly going to revolutionize the workplace. What is the purpose of this workshop? You may be scratching your head, pondering deeply to yourself. (laughs) The Confidence Workshop is created to harness a unified company vision, build authentic relationships within the workplace, and give practical tools to support women in showing up powerfully every single day. Hand clap emojis. So if you know of a company or event that would be perfect for this workshop, please head on over to our website, JanelleNA.com, and submit your request today. Thanks, and I can't wait to hear from you. And can I give a, a kind of a, a counter example too from my, yeah. one of my students? Yeah. Okay, so I one time had a student who was a biology major and she was really, really smart. And she came to me as a freshman and she was like, Devin, I know I can succeed in biology. Everyone's told me I need to be a doctor. I've been on this path, you know, since they found out I was great at biology my freshman year. And she was getting straight A's in her classes. So I was like, okay, well, what's the problem? And we looked at her strengths and her strengths were intellection, learner, input, I think analytical. She was like all these thinking themes, like intellectual themes. And she says, I know I can succeed, but I just love books. And I asked her and I kind of noticed like she was getting a little shy. And I said, okay, if money was no object, what would you want to do? And she kind of whispered to me, she's like, I've always wanted to be a librarian. And yeah. And I was like, that's super cool. But she, and so then we ended up having this conversation about how her strengths work as a librarian. But I said, so why are you not pursuing being a librarian? And she said, well, I know they don't make a lot of money. And I said, really? I didn't know that. I said, let's look it up. And so we went online to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It has all this data about jobs and, and um, salaries and stuff. And like a university librarian can make six figures. Wow. And I said, well, what do you think about that? And she's like, well, I had no idea. That's and amazing. So, yeah. So it's just like, she actually went on to, now she's a ghost writer for um, CEOs and she writes biographies. On wow. It's got chills. That's amazing. Yeah. And so she changed her major from biology to writing because she loved to write and she loved books and she did writing an English double major. And I just think it's like, sometimes we have a preconceived notion of, oh, I can't do that because that doesn't make a lot of money or I can't do that because other people will think X, Y, Z about me. And we sometimes need someone to help us break down those misbeliefs so that we can pursue what really feels good for us. Yeah, and, I, and I'm sure like family and peers can really play into that because if everyone is telling her, oh, you're so good at this, you're so good at this, it was like the expectation. Yeah. Like if you're so good at this, you should be a doctor, you know? And exactly. I think especially at that, at that young age, we feel like we don't, you know, we don't really know and those expectations are placed on us. So we're like, cool. Yeah, that's, I'll do that. You know? Um, and I think that continues on even for women in their twenties and even their thirties. And maybe, you know, I would probably say I could take gender out of it and age, probably all men and all women of any age struggle with expectations that are placed on them, um, mm-hmm. from a young age or by loved ones that, that really care about them. And they feel boxed in by those expectations. So they don't feel like they can break free from, you know, from the mold they've been put in. Yeah, it's true. And, um, and I think, you know, parents are always well-meaning, like they want the best for their kids. They don't want us to struggle. They don't want us to suffer. They don't want us to have financial 
issues and many times they're trying to save their children from the mistakes that they made and while I think that's well-meaning I don't think suffering is the worst thing that can happen because you know in order to really pursue our purpose we're gonna have to struggle a little bit I don't think struggle is the worst thing that someone can experience because if it's for the greater purpose of really being and doing what you're meant to do here like maybe the struggle is okay and it's probably temporary um so i always just say like you know thank your family for having great intentions for you and for loving you and for wanting to spare you from that but ultimately they're not the ones who walk into that office every single day doing your job they're not the ones who you know go home and feel unfulfilled every single day doing something that they never really wanted to do um and and i think beyond wanting you to have the financial stability or any of those expectations, I really do think that the people who love you just want you to be happy. And so if you can show them that you're pursuing your happiness and your purpose, um, that's going to matter more than needing some kind of like a, having a title that they can tell their friends to impress, you know? Um, and, and I think that's, you know, there are probably exceptions to that, but generally I think the, the people we love just want us to be good and okay. Yeah, I think that's so true. I love that perspective of appreciating um, parents or friends or siblings, the expectations, I guess, like appreciating the well-meaning part of it. And then also allowing yourself to release that and say like, ultimately they want me to be happy. So what's going to make me happy? And, and I think that leads me into my next question of, um, I've talked with some clients and, and even friends before who, who say like, I really have no idea what I want to do. Like, mm -hmm. I, I truly cannot fathom a dream job. I've never had a dream job. I've never been able to place my finger on it. What do you say to those people? Yeah, I, it all starts with becoming conscious of your needs, like really, really tapping in. Because when you think about it, um, since you're five years old, you go to school you're in kindergarten, they teach you, you're supposed to learn to read, you learn your ABCs, then you go through kindergarten, you go through middle school, high school, and even college, if you're X major, you do this thing. So through that society and through that, you know, programming, we don't learn a lot of our own decision-making. So then you jump into the world of career and it's up to you. And we haven't built up the consciousness and the self-awareness to know what really makes us happy because we're just taking the next step. The adults in our lives have said, this is the next right step. This is the next step. So when it comes down to their career, I have some people telling me or asking me, just tell me what to do with my life. And I know that that would be easier if I could just solve the problem for them. But I really try to reframe for them, like this is your, your big decision to make for yourself. And this is an opportunity. So in order to do that, you have to become really conscious of your needs. You have to start being aware of what you like, what you don't like, what lights you up. And if right now it feels like so far into the distance of having a job that you really like, just start with the things you like outside of work. You know, start with like, how do you like to spend your time? What are the conversations you like to have with your friends? What are, I'm always curious, what podcasts do you listen to? What Instagram, you know, accounts do you follow? What brands do you love? What, what stores do you shop in? All of that can be little clues to what your values are and what you want to stand for in your life. Um, and, and I really think that becoming conscious of what you need in terms of what do you need from a manager? What do you need from a job? What do you need in your life in terms of financial stability, in terms of a community, in terms of time with people, time alone? 
we're all unique people. We all have various different needs. And I think it takes a little bit of time to figure that out, but it also, that clarity comes from action. You can't just sit with your journal. Like I, I'm a huge fan of journaling, but you can't just sit with your journal and figure out what you want to do with your life. That's my belief. I think you have to go out and try things because like I said before, life is an experiment. So, um, yeah, I kind of went a few different ways with that, but it starts with becoming conscious of who you are, what you like, what you need, and then going out and trying little things through experiments of talking to people, going to events, doing a job shadow, um, you know, looking online at really cool companies and really cool jobs, having a mentor, working with a coach. And it's a process, like it's not gonna happen overnight. Creating a life that you love is really an intentional act that takes time but it can be fun if you realize that you're in the driver's seat of making this experiment come to life. Yeah, I love that. And I love the word you used, intentional. I think often um, we get so distracted by life and our current job and our current victim struggles and, and Instagram. Like there's so many distractions in the world. So often we don't take the time to be intentional to first start out with that journal and then start to do the research online and then take the leap and actually take real action in doing something in person. And when you first started talking, I got this kind of image of a hamster running on a wheel and how from five years old and, and even before, cause many kids, you know, are in preschool two to three days a week. And so it might even start at the age of three or four and then all the way till you're early to mid, maybe late twenties, um, you're just running on that wheel, running on that wheel, running on that wheel and doing what's expected doing what's expected. And, and yeah. so it takes the hamster getting off the wheel, which is really confusing and like probably like can hardly walk been running on the wheel for so long. Um, and probably falling over a few times and have unsure footing, but to be able to adventure and be like, okay, what else is there? How can I make true traction towards the journey that I want to make in my life um, and just find out what I like, you know, often we don't even know what we really like to do or what we love to do. And so I, I love the insight of that. Um, and I think one more piece, if I can interrupt, yeah, um, of course, is, is like deciding what we truly like, not what we think other people will approve of right? Not like creating the life that's going to look great on social media or having the job title that's going to like make, you know, your parents proud or any of those things. And I think the world of social media and how everybody's kind of putting their lives out on display makes it even harder because it's, you're not just thinking about your own life, you're watching what everybody else is doing, right? And we're comparing and we're thinking like, oh, if I just did what she's doing, I'd be happy, but maybe that works for her and it wouldn't work for you. So um, again, that's like, it takes so much intention and, and putting up some boundaries too. even like, it might not be helpful to share with your family what you're doing with your career, because maybe they have, you know, their preconceived notions and you just need to keep that to yourself or just the people that you trust, you know, because it's just, it's too easy to get distracted by all the other voices and you have to really tap into your own voice and really start listening to yourself and your desires. Yeah, especially if you've spent years people pleasing, which mm -hmm. many, many of us have. Um, yeah. You got to break free from that people pleasing. And sometimes that means 
spending more time alone and time alone I have found from so many of my clients is one of the scariest things for millennials in general, but specifically millennial women, because their thoughts, they're, they're afraid of their own thoughts. They're afraid of, um, the silence because then, then you'd have to think about your life and then you'd have to think about if you like where you're heading or if you don't like where you're heading. So that's why we busy everything. So that that way we don't have to think about, um, if we're proud of where we're headed or if we're not proud of where we're headed. So true. Yeah. So, um, in thinking about some of the tools that you give your clients to help them achieve clarity towards their purpose, I know you mentioned strength finders, um, which is a test, you know, anyone listening, you can go online and, and take that test. And it's probably, what is it, Devin, like 40 or 50 bucks or something like that. So there's a, there's the top five, which is only $20, but it's a little hard to find. So you have to look up Clifton strengths, top five test. And if you do that, you should be able to find it. But there's also, you can get all 34 for, I think it's 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So in all 34 by that, she means um, there's 34 possible strengths that could be, well, that are inside of each person. Um, And so they list it out for you, for you from like one to 34 and don't, isn't there some sort of, um, I don't know what the numbers are, but evidence of you know, people are such snowflakes and they're all so different that isn't it like 0.000001% chance that you would find someone with the same 34 strengths in your order or something like that? So it's a one in 33 million chance that you would find someone else with your top five strengths in that exact order. Oh, dang. Even just the top five. Yeah. In your order. Wow. That order. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Do you know how many people have taken this test? Over 20 million at this point, and they offer it in multiple languages. So all over the world, people are doing the strengths. Dang. Mm-hmm. So, so far, it sounds like then no one has ever had the exact same top five in the same order. Actually, there have been a few cases, a few, even though it's a one in 33 million chance. Yeah. I don't okay. know how that happened, but yeah, yeah there's a few cases. Interesting. Interesting. So, so yeah, so there's that tool. Anyone listening, check that out. Super helpful. Um, what are some other tools that you give your clients, Devin? So I definitely work on values. That's a huge piece. So I love a values inventory that Brene Brown does. And it's just, you know, a set of different words. And I have them pick their top two values because according to Brene's research, who hopefully, I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners know who that is, Dr. Brene Brown, she's a uh, social worker and researcher in shame, vulnerability, and belonging. And so you can have up to two themes or values that you live into. And those are important for figuring out what is the mission of the work you want to do. So I have a lot of people who will come to me and say, I don't believe in my company, or I want to work for someone whose mission aligns with me. And that's where the values are really important. Um, Because say you really, really care about, you know, like animal rights, and you work for a company that does not, a company that, you know, maybe is exploiting animals in some way, that's going to have cognitive dissonance, that's going to create an internal ethical struggle for you. So knowing what a person's values are and then looking at the kinds of jobs or companies they want to work for and making sure those align, that's really, really important. So I definitely work in values. And then I also um, look at priorities. So that's the really practical piece. And these aren't tools that you can like go find online or anything. These are things I've developed. But um, with your priorities, it's like 
looking at your spiritual, mental, physical, financial priorities for each of those categories, what's important to you. And the more clear we get about that, the clearer we can get about what kinds of jobs are gonna fit your spiritual, mental, financial, and physical needs too. Um, so it's a lot of that internal work. That's the soul piece of the soul career. And then I also, of course, do resume reviews, cover letters, networking, LinkedIn. Those are the things that they don't teach us in school. They really should teach us how to do yeah. those things. Um, but I work with all of my clients to make sure that they have that as well so they can put their best foot forward. So cool. Girl, I just have to say, even just right now listening, I'm, I'm so inspired by you and I love how... Um, educated and thoughtful you are towards this whole process. So um, I'm really excited for people listening to connect with you just because, I mean, I'm so inspired by you. I can imagine lots of people listening right now are very inspired as well. Um, and it is so important to, to know our, our internal being and who we are. And um, yeah. sounds like the work that you're doing with your clients is super impactful. So thank you for doing what you do. Well, I just thank you for saying that. And I, I just know there are so many people who suffer in jobs they hate for way too long, thinking that this is just how it has to be. And I know that when women are activated into their purpose and believe in themselves and get to live out their strengths, we can collectively really change the world. We can improve the world, but they have to be able to envision that and believe that they're worth having a life they love and making an impact at the same time. Like I truly believe that we can love what we do and make a difference at once um, if, if you can believe that you're worthy of it and have the tools to get there. So that's what gets me up in the morning, gets me excited to do what I do. Amen, sister. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mic drop. Okay, we out. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> so I guess and that actually leads into my next question, which is what is the primary reason that people stay in jobs that they hate? So there's a couple of reasons. Um, first is they're super confused about what to do next, right? Because they, they don't know themselves. They haven't figured out what they like, what they don't like. They get into analysis paralysis mm. of going online. I, I'm always like, please do not go on Indeed. Don't go on any job boards until we talk about things first, because they're going to go out and feel the walk away extra confused when you look at more jobs and you're like, ah, I don't know. So they get analysis paralysis. Um, they sometimes realize that, um, or they sometimes feel like they're too comfortable and they, they can get kind of trapped in their comfort mm-hmm. of like this thing they've been doing for so long, they're making good money, you know, like I have this great title X, Y, Z, and what I really want means that those things might go away or really pursuing this business that I've been dreaming of would be a risk, right? So they're feeling really comfortable where they are, but their comfort is kind of holding them back at the same time. So that's another reason. Um, I think people also just get have an expectation like work is just always going to suck. And sometimes they get into victim mindset. So it's like, oh, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate what I do. And this is just how it's always going to be. Um, and they just kind of get stuck there rather than realizing that they have more agency to change their situation than they give themselves credit for. And that, you know, with a little bit of effort, they could not hate their job. They could actually maybe like their job. So those are a few of the reasons that people stay and, um, and there's more, of course, there's other, like, you know, there are practical reasons. Like if you have a family and you need to provide for them and you need to make X amount of money, that could be a reason. Or if you live in a really, you know, in a smaller town and there aren't a lot of opportunities there, that could be a reason. Um, but I'd say generally it's, it's a mindset thing more so than it is 
a logistical issue. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to, like you mentioned, limiting beliefs. Like mm-hmm. there, there are no other, you know, better jobs out there, or I would never be qualified, which comes from feeling like that, that that person's not enough. Um, yeah. Or yeah, I think the financial one is huge. And of course, you know, I think it's important for people to have a financial game plan of some sort. It's not that you're trying to just quit your job and take a big risk with zero dollars in your bank account to see what happens. You want to be in a place of like, okay, I could pay my bills for this month while I figure it out or for these two months, or I'll do the side job while I work on my, my main dream or whatever. There's, there's always ways to figure it out. And um, I was listening to a podcast by Marie Forleo recently, and she wrote a book called Everything is Figure Outable. And I love that. Everything can be figured out. If you are willing to put yourself out there, take a jump, take a big jump, take a leap of faith and risk. And, um, and what you said earlier, hit home. There might be a little bit of struggle along the way, so it might not be as comfortable. You might have to make some financial sacrifices at first. You might need to, um, you know, say no to going out with friends and spending as much money as you were before on eating out or concerts or whatever it looks like. But if your dream is worth it, and you believe in yourself and you believe in your dream, then missing out on a few concerts or missing out on a few dinners out or just encouraging people to you know, come into your house or do more, um, maybe like a hike or something that doesn't cost money, um, you'd be willing to make those sacrifices because it's so worth pursuing your dream and pursuing what you were created to do. Yeah, and I, I wanna just also acknowledge people who are listening, who are like, I don't have a dream. I don't know what the dream is. I don't have that clear thing. And that's actually probably the majority who don't have that clear vision of this is what I'm meant to do in the world. And I think that's okay because sometimes it's not a singular purpose. Like I, I don't talk about find your passion because I don't think we have just one passion in life. I think most people are Mm multi-passionate and I talk about cultivating your interests just pursue what interests you. What are your curiosities? Look into those things. Because I really believe passion and purpose comes from developing a skill and doing something enough times that you get really good at it. You know, like when, you know, you first start to learn an instrument, like you don't necessarily love it because you're not good at it yet or a sport or whatever. Like you might be excited to get better, but it's not until you reach that like mastery or you're really good at something that you feel really proud of yourself and you feel like, ah, oh, this was why all that hard work was there. So for those who are listening who are like, I don't have a dream. I'm not a per- passionate person or whatever. Um, I'd say like, let yourself off the hook and just explore what your interests are. Because, you know, if you're listening and you're in your twenties, like we don't have it figured out yet. Like I don't even have it figured <laughs> out yet. I'm not pretending like I do, you know, most people don't really get into like their passion career, quote unquote, until they're in their forties. So this is like the time to experiment and try new things and figure out what that is for you. And so taking the pressure off of like making this career the end all be all, because that's just going to set you up for like a lot of expectation and a lot of pressure on yourself. Um, Instead, like use this as a time to experiment and have fun and just kind of figure out who you are. Wow. I love that. Thank you for, for including that. I think it's easy for me to sometimes be like, pursue your dream and because for me, my dream has gotten very clear over the last couple of years. And so, mm-hmm. um, but I forget sometimes about all the, the journey that it took and all the different 
changing of jobs that took over the last five, well, actually like the last 10 years, I've worked literally, like I've been a floral designer, I've been a wedding planner, I've been, uh, I was a hostess and a server, I was a nanny, I was, I worked at Hollister, like I've worked at gym, I've worked for Orange Theory, I've worked at boot camps, I've worked, worked in social media, like I've worked pretty much every career path you can possibly envision except for like the medical fields really. <laughs> um, so, and, and it's by trying all these different things and I mean, I, it doesn't look great on a resume. I, I wouldn't think right that I've, I've been with a company for a year here and a year there and then two years here and, and working for a software company for two years there and doing all these different things. Um, but I, for me, it's worked really well. So is that something you ever come up against as someone who's like, I don't want to switch or try something new because what if it looks bad on my resume? Yeah, I, I do see that every once in a while. Um, I think companies and employers are less concerned about that today because they do see people, you know, millennials change jobs every 18 months on average. So while they probably don't want you to leave that quickly, they, they're, they're getting used to it. Um, and I think it's all about what the story that you tell. So if you showcase that you're moving up, like for you, you know, I know Janelle, you're not like applying to jobs. You have your career, you have your business, but if you were, what's the story between them, right? Now you have like this really cool broad skill set. you're like their utility player. You know, if you were applying for a company, you can say, I can do social media management. I'm great at customer service. I know coaching. I know this, I know that. Um, so if, you know, if someone feels like their resume is scattered, just figure out what's the through line. What's the story that led you from one thing to the next, to the next that you can tell someone like in an interview, that's why I'm doing this. This is my next step because I've learned these things about me. I know I can do this. I know I don't want to do that. And that's why I'm here to do X, Y, Z. Because there's always a story and uh, the people who don't understand that, they, they might not hire you, but that's probably not the right place for you either. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I love that you experimented. Like Janelle, I really feel like you're a great case for getting that clarity as young as you are because you had, you know, you listed like a dozen different things that you did, <laughs> which is super cool. And I'm sure each one of them gave you more information. Like, I like this. I don't ever want to do that again. I don't want to do this. You know, they all are like information to help you color that picture of what it is you want to do. Yeah, that's so true. Like when I was, I had graduated from college, my degree was in hospitality management and business. I thought I wanted to be a wedding planner. I did a wedding planning internship, internship at the Hilton for one summer. And I was literally like, yeah, so actually it turns out I don't want to plan parties. I want to be the center of the party. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't work, you know, coming back to my woo. Um, so being behind the scenes was something I never really wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't within my strengths. And, um, so after graduating with that degree that I just randomly picked, I was like, well, that sounds fun. I had no backing for it. Um, then I got a job at a, at a software company and I was an executive assistant, which was cool because I worked for an amazing company who believed in me, empowered me. But at the end of the day, I was working a desk job that was, um, not fulfilling as, as far as changing lives. And I remember that was when I moved to San Diego after working there for two years, because I started to ask myself if I only have this one life and I know I want to be talking with people more. I want to be engaging with people. I want to be changing lives. I don't know what that looks like, 
but I know that sitting at this desk working on executive assistant work, which once again, is such an amazing company, such a great work culture, everything was wonderful about it, but it didn't work for me because um, I knew that I needed something that involved more one-on-one -on -one human interaction. And I knew I needed something that felt like I was changing the world or living within my impact. So that's why I quit that and, and began the journey of being a personal trainer and then becoming a coach and all that because I just knew something different was out there for me. And I did take a huge pay cut. Like I went into, mm -hmm. I had, I quit that software job. I paid off my college loans in two years working there because I made good money and rent was cheap in that wow. town. And yeah. And I was like, really, I was like, and then I saved up, I think not much, but like three or $4,000 to move to San Diego. I was like, great. That'll pay for like two months while I find a job. Um, it didn't. And then I went into debt. I went to like $5,000 of debt in my first, I think year in San Diego, because I was working jobs at like $12 an hour, um, that I had mm -hmm. never worked for that price since I had been like 16 or something. And here, and was at that 20. point, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Go. I was just curious at that point, was it clear what it is that you wanted to do next? Or were you still trying to figure it out as you were paying your way through? No, I mean, I was still figuring it out. Like I, yeah. when I had left for California, I knew that I wanted to do something where I could help teach women confidence. And uh -huh. I was debating between working for Stitch Fix and helping women build confidence through like their clothing and their outfits, or I wanted to be a personal trainer and help them um, by changing their body. So I went that route simply because the Stitch Fix um, job opening closed. So I couldn't apply for it. So I was like, okay, I guess personal trainer it is. Um, and I thought I wanted to be an orange theory coach at that time. And now like I realize that I actually hate group fitness more than anything else in the world because I like one-on-one -on -one deep conversation. And when you get into a class full of people, although I enjoy going to group fitness classes, um, I don't like being an instructor because it doesn't fulfill my cup as far as having a deep impact for people um, and talking about real matters of the heart and of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so then that fell through. And then I ended up becoming a personal trainer and doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I realized how much I loved being able to um, talk with people while we were working out. And people would tell me like afterwards, they'd like, I blacked out the entire session. Like, I don't even know what I just learned. Cause we were talking about like, you know, my breakup yeah. or like my mom and my dad and like what I'm doing with my life, my, my dreams, and my goals. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I don't really know what we did for that workout either. <laughs> like, All we did was, you know, we just chatted away and I just asked a lot of questions and got deep in their mind. And so people started to call me their, uh, trainer slash, um, therapist. So that's mm -hmm. when I was like, Hmm, I think I'm going to create something where I can utilize uh, you know, more and more of that. So that's when I launched Next Level Confident over a year and a half ago. And that was like 50% body and then 50% mind. So nutrition, workouts, and then mindset work. Um, and then as that has continued, it's morphed and changed where I realized more and more, I don't feel the need to give people workouts and nutrition. I would rather just primarily focus on mindset because that's what matters and everything flows from the mind. So if you believe that you're worthy and you believe that you're capable and you see your worth, you're not going to have a hard time getting to the gym. You, you can download the Kayla signing app or whatever for $12.99, or you can mm -hmm. find workouts on YouTube for free. Um, same with nutrition. There's all the free information out there. So now I just want to empower women to know how to take action on their life. Um, and that comes from the mind. 
So yeah, that's, this. there's my whole story. <laughs> Didn't mean to share all that, but here we are. I mean, I'm, I'm just smiling because it's like, this is exactly what I think helps people to find what they are meant to do is the experimentation. And I'm, I'm sure it was scary being in those uncertain moments, but you have, and I know your Enneagram number. So just, you know, as an eight, you're a little bit more <laughs> risk tolerant, right? But like, sometimes you just have to leap and go before you're ready. Like you don't want to not have a plan. You had some money and you had a little bit of a plan, but if we just sit and wait until all the stars perfectly align, we're going to be waiting forever. Sometimes you have to take a bit of a risk on yourself and be willing to try it and then pivot and change. Like you tried and you're like, not exactly, but I'm getting closer. It's like hot or colder. Like you kept getting warmer and warmer and warmer and getting more information until the thing finally appeared and you had to have the willingness to try new things and to potentially fail or change as you go in order to get the clarity that you needed. Oh, and I've failed so many times too. Like I didn't make the, I tried out twice to be an orange theory coach and they cut me both times, even though I thought I did like so awesome on the script and on the mic. And like, they are like, mm. yeah, girl, like you're not good at this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll go work for someone who believes in me, but also it probably wasn't in my, in my giftings really. So it's, it's fine. It worked out. And, um, but I failed all the time and I, I've shared this before, but like, especially when I moved to California, that was when I really just launched into being like, I am going to figure all this out. I am like, kind of like recreating myself. And mm -hmm. gosh, I fell on my face so often. Like I would just be, I would be crying in my car all the time. I remember one time I was driving on a highway and it was in Mission Valley area. I remember exactly where it was, um, the 805. And I was literally just bawling my eyes out. I felt like I was going to get in a car accident because I was sobbing so hard because I couldn't figure out like why I had moved. I was like, I have no friends. I have no career. I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Why did you think this was a good idea? And I remember I saw a shooting star right then. And I was wow. like, okay, I don't know why, but that felt like a good sign and I'm good. I'm going to figure this out. And so that was like the up and down of it all. And to be honest, I'm still there some days, you know, there's still ups and downs, especially now moving to Denver and pivoting my company and starting the confidence workshop. And gosh, I'm just, you know, the more risks I take, it doesn't always get easier, but it always is worth it. And it's always so rewarding in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that you got that little sign Yeah, with the shooting star. Sometimes you need that. Okay, cool. So now that I've chatted away for the last like 25 minutes, just joking, but hopefully that was helpful for someone listening and they're like, oh, okay, so I could try 20 different things and it actually will get me closer and closer to my dream or my, if you don't use the word dream, my passion. Um, so Devin, what are some of the subconscious beliefs that keep people stuck in certain areas of their life? Like whether that's a relationship or a career or a city or friendships um, that you experience with your clients? So there's a few. I think the first thing is that people see every decision as so monumental, like there is no turning back from this. So if you put way too much pressure in every decision you make, it's going to be hard to make the decision like, oh, okay, I want to leave my job and I want to go try to be a trainer. If people well, if you talk that up in your head too much and you start worrying about what everyone's going to think about it and what if I fail and blah, 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 and you make the decision so monumental, you'll never be able to act. 
So the contrary to that is to realize every decision is a lesson and every decision you can change or you can take back or you can move on from. Um, and that's kind of taking that playful, more experimental like attitude or mindset when you do it. Of course you wanna be thoughtful and I'm like, in every, every decision I make, I'm still talking to my mentors, talking to my husband, but trying to not make it such a big deal because you're 25, you're 26, whatever, you can make a decision and you can change it later on. Um, it doesn't have to be like the end all be all. So that's the first thing. I think also the idea of parallel lives that we talked about at the beginning of like, if I make this move, my life is going to play out in this one certain way and I'll never be able to take it back. Or it, I, I made the wrong decision, like believing that some external force guides your life and that it's waiting for you to make the right or wrong decision. I think the contrary to that is to get back into your power and realize I make the decisions. There is only one way to live my life and that is based on all the decisions I make. And everything else is going to reorganize in order to get me where I'm supposed to go based on the decisions I make, right? Like God is gonna work it out. If I, even if I quote, make a mistake or choose the wrong job or do the wrong thing, quote unquote, everything is going to fall into place eventually and I'll find my way back. So yeah, and I'm going to say something very quickly there for any yeah. like Christians, especially, or people who believe in God, like so often I hear one of women's excuses being like, I'm just, I'm just waiting to hear from God or like, mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for God to give me a sign or like, I, they like blame God for their lack of action. And yeah. I get it when I was moving to California, I kept praying about it. I kept being like, God, should I go? Should I not? Should I go? Should I not? And I kept waiting for like a dove to come down when I pray or something <laughs> to like really confirm it. And I remember checking with different people I respected and being like, you know, can it be the wrong decision? And, and they're like, no, I mean, unless you're getting some sort of like huge red flag about why you should not go, it, you know, if, if you go there and the doors open and you get blessings, awesome. God, God is happy or God's blessing it. Or if doors close and, and you move back, no problem. You know, you'll learn lessons and, and you'll come back. And so I think that goes along with what you're, what, what you're saying right now. Yeah, I love, I heard Bob Goff on Jen Hatmaker's podcast like a couple years ago talking about how everyone's like waiting for God to open the door or God to open the door. And he's like, you know, we don't wait for God to always open the doors. We know that God is asking us to kick down some doors. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Kick down those doors. Kicking down the doors. Yeah. Cause I mean, like they're working in freaking Afghanistan. Like the doors don't always just open easily. You gotta, you gotta kick them down sometimes. So same thing for, for your life. Sometimes, you know, you don't just take no for an answer. You, you try three, four, five different ways and, and you learn to be resilient. And if you really want something, don't take the first no or the first door in your face. Go again, get back up. So, yeah. I, yeah, so that's, those are the subconscious beliefs. Um, also, like, I'm not worthy of this or life should be hard or growing up is serious or, you know, now I'm an adult. I just need to be, you know, serious about my life those kinds of things. Everyone will have different stories based on um, what the, you know, the life, the family they grew up in, they're going to have those subconscious beliefs and becoming conscious of the patterns or the language in your head is going to be important for you to move through that. So I'll give an, like a little example for myself. I recently realized I had a misbelief that authentic people always struggle. And so one of my things is like, I really, I want to be an authentic person. I want to live in integrity with my values, everything that I create. I want it to be true and real and actually helpful, not just something, you know, to like make money or gain popularity or anything like that. And so I had this idea that people who are really authentic always struggle at whatever they create or whatever they do. 
And if that, you know, living in that belief, I was making things harder than it needed to be because of course I, I want to be an authentic person. So I was making everything hard in order to fulfill that belief. Um, and I realized like, no, actually the truth is that everybody has struggled from time to time, authentic people and quote inauthentic people, which I don't even know what that means. And I can allow my work and my life to be easy, like releasing the struggle and letting things come easily so that um, it's not, you know, it's not always hard for me and like not putting the, the struggle on a pedestal, which I think I was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for, yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for sharing that because I literally wrote that in my journal this morning um, of one <laughs> of the disbeliefs that I'm believing. Um, I'm currently reading You Are a Badass by Jen Seltzer, I believe is her last name. And wait, is Jen Seltzer the girl with the big butt? Jen Sincero, I think. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, you know, like you are a badass, the girl with a, a big butt. Okay. Anyway, um, so she has you write out what your stories are. And then she has you write out the reward that you're getting from believing that story. And so I realized sometimes what I'll do is I'll kind of make it seem like, oh, being an entrepreneur is such a struggle. Like, and I realized the mm -hmm. false reward that I'm getting is like people being like, wow, like you're so noble. Like, you know, people pitying me when in reality, the truth is I don't have to struggle. So it's the exact same as what you just said, Devin. So I fully relate. And I'm sure many people listening right now actually relate to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Got to surrender those old stories. Yes. Yes. So tell us a story of someone you've worked with that has had really awesome success or someone you're just really, really proud of how they pivoted and tried something new. So I worked with a young woman recently um, who had an intuitive hit about becoming a birth doula earlier this year. She was like, what is an intuitive hit? She, she had this like realization, like I'm supposed to be a birth doula. It was like an awakening that I'm meant to do this. I don't oh. think she would say like God told her. I don't think that's the language that she would use. Um, but that might be what, you know, someone else would interpret that experience as. And so she realized she was meant to be a birth doula, but she was working, um, like a retail job and she felt so, so far away from becoming that person. And what was really cool was that her history before working in retail was, um, working with children and being really amazing, um, at you know, communicating and understanding children and intuitively knowing how they grow and how they learn and all these things. And then also working with women. And so she had these like things in her past that all spoke to being a caretaker in many ways. And that's why this birth doula came into her life. Um, and so, but yet she didn't have like the qualifications. So she really did not believe that she was worthy of becoming a birth doula. And we went into, I'm trying not to share too much about like her personal story, but through working through a lot of limiting beliefs, um, she was able to realize that she was worthy of being a birth doula, even though she had never been given birth. She's not a mother. She's very young. We realized like, you don't have to have these certain qualifications in order to help someone give birth. She is getting a certification and that was like a big step for her so that she can have the training. Um, but what was really holding her back was not her lack of training. It was her lack of belief in herself and her lack of worthiness. So once we worked through all of those things, she did her certification and within like three days, she had three mothers signed up 
to be a birth doula. She like hadn't even graduated from her program yet. And it was so much because of the mindset work that we had done in saying that, you know, you don't have to look a certain way, be a certain age. One of the themes that we went through was like her comparing herself to women in their forties and fifties who were doulas and realizing, I was like, okay, what's your gift of doing this at the age of 24? How can you be a special doula in your own right? And I think it's so easy for us to compare our chapter one to someone else's like chapter 17 or 18. And she was able to realize like her gifts of being young were that she was more hungry, that she was learning, that everything was fresh for her, was that she had all the energy, you know, like, and so we, we reframed what she thought were all of her like flaws or her setbacks into her strengths and into like her opportunity to grow. Um, And then when she had that worthiness, she had been asking people for months, like, can I be your doula, whatever? And it was like nothing, crickets, you know? And then once she worked on her worthiness and believed that she was capable of this, it just happened. So now she is on her way to helping women deliver babies, which is super, super cool and very sacred work. Oh my gosh, I'm smiling from ear to ear. That story is incredible. I love that. Wow. So if someone's listening right now, what are some clear action steps that you want listeners to leave this conversation with and go do? So I have three steps. I want you to one, ask yourself every day, what do I want? Like in your journal or on a walk or whatever, what do I want? Just take a piece of paper, write it down. What do I want? And what makes me happy? How do I want to spend my time? And then two, work on the subconscious beliefs that are holding you back. Like identify if you have a belief that life is supposed to be hard. Do you believe that you can't have a good career because you didn't go to college? What are the things that are keeping you stuck where you are? And then three, be relentless in designing the life you want. Like Mm. don't let, don't stop at those subconscious beliefs. Don't stop when you get your first no. Don't stop when it's hard or when you get your first rejection for your application that you put in. Like we're so, we so quickly let one reaction or one rejection, like put us back down into the swirl of shame of like, of course, you know, I'm not worthy of this, but like you have to work on your mindset and believe that those external factors are not, they do not say anything about who you are as a person. Like, an external rejection like you did, you know, right? Orange theory, like doesn't mean Janelle is a bad person. Doesn't mean that you can never help anybody, you know? But sometimes we chalk it up to being so much more than it is. So working on yourself and knowing like deep down, like you are worthy, it's going to work out. Everything is coming together for good for you. Like use that as fuel to keep going in spite of the rejections. Um, And then, you know, get, get support, get the support you need, like a coach, a mentor or something to help you keep going towards those goals. Cause it can be discouraging as much as it tell our mantras and, you know, do our affirmations in the mirror. Sometimes you need a third party or someone who's outside who can like speak the truth of who you are and be a mirror to you and help you make, set those goals and get that clarity and believe that you're worthy of it and make a game plan to make it happen. So that, those would be my three steps. I love it. You guys, whoever's listening right now, write those three things down and go do them. I'm literally, I'm like, okay, right when I get off this, I'm going to go like, what do I want? What makes me happy? I want to go write it all out. And um, yeah, just keep it in front of you. Keep looking at it. Keep writing it down. Keep reminding yourself. Um, Thank you, Devin. Those are amazing action steps. So um, thank you for being on the show, Devin. I want everyone to be able to get a hold of you. Where should they reach out to you? 
Thank you so much, Chanel. So of course you can find me on Instagram at underscore Devin Jones. You can of course go to my website, devinjones.co.com. And I love hanging out on Instagram, talking to you guys. Um, I also offer free soul calls. So if any of this resonated with you and you would like some help with your career or figuring out your purpose or living with more purpose, um, everybody gets a free 30 minutes. So you can sign up for that on my website, devinjones.co. I'd love to get to know you and see if I can support you. My group coaching course, also the soul career will open again in January. So if you want to do Yay. this work, yeah, in a group and with other women, um, make sure that you go to my website and um, connect with me. I'll get you on the wait list. Thank you Amazing. so much. Amazing. Yes. Thank you so much, Devin. Thanks for your time, your heart, your energy. I feel amped. I feel like everyone who's listening right now has got to feel amped and like take action people. Don't just listen to this and think like, well, that was nice. And I'll keep doing what I've been doing. Like really take the action point seriously, please. So that way you're, um, taking action on your life and not just listening to thinking about taking action on your life. So that's my last little piece. Um, you're amazing, Devin. I'm inspired by you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Chanel.